But it's, it's, it is good to be here. I just got back from uh, some time in Michigan, taking a little vacation. Went there with uh, my daughter Mackenzie, who is 16.75 years old and uh, is growing up too quick. Our first week there, we had to wear sweatshirts. And people saying, oh, are you cold? And it's like, no, this is nice. And then the second week, it was like hot. And they're like, this is horrible. It's hot. I don't know how you do it in Phoenix. And, and I resisted saying, I'll tell you how hot it is. You know, you wait till it's 110 and you can't put your key in the ignition because it's, when you pull it out, it'll burn you. And I'll tell you how hot it is. You can't even touch the steering wheel until you let the air run a little bit. And I'll tell you how hot it's a dry heat. I resisted all of those, those things. Uh, but uh, we did visit uh, some friends and some family. And obviously, Mackenzie and I had memories of my dad and uh, my wife, Bonnie, her mom, who have both since passed away since our last visit there. And we were just blessed to see so many uh, good people, uh, people that have had some impact in our lives. And Mackenzie was even surprised as, as she was able to, to witness this miracle as we were out on the lake. Let's show him that. So that's... Uh, Okay, there's enough of that there. That was me. Mackenzie was amazed that Dad could actually ski and got up on two skis on the, on the first try, and I was amazed that my buddy's boat was able to pull me out. This huge mass of muscle, he was able to, to get me going and actually cut into the wake a few times. Uh, she, didn't, she didn't get a video, though, of us tubing, uh, and I think when my friend took great pleasure and whipping us across the lake and, and used my body as a stone as I skipped over the lake and finally sunk. Uh, but it was a, a good time in Michigan. But obviously, as we go back to Michigan, and as many of us are in that vacation mode or may, may take a few, few days away, for us, it helped us to remember. Remembering is an interesting thing. And... Uh, you know, I can remember when Mackenzie was just five and we were out looking for a mattress. And as they do even now, the, the stores are set up so the mattresses are set up in an actual bedroom and they're hoping you're going to buy the whole bedroom set, not just the mattress. Well, we're looking and, and I remember Mackenzie saying very specifically at age five, she wanted a TV, a phone, and a pewter. At age five, she was already telling me she wanted a computer. And so Bonnie and I looked at each other and we thought, you know, what have we created? Then a few years later, a friend of mine uh, uh, was really into technology and he was just convinced that both uh, myself and Bonnie needed to have a Palm Pilot. Some of you are old enough to remember those, you know, kept your schedules and I think those are before even cell phone days, or pretty close to the emergence of cell phones, but he bought Bonnie and me a Palm Pilot. And so as we're taking these things out, and uh, I, 
I'm showing Bonnie hers and the little, you know, we had the little carrying case with it and all those things back then. Mackenzie uh, was, was very upset. Uh, in fact, she went to her, uh, we, we didn't have a timeout chair, we had a timeout stair. Not that she needed it often, but it was there just in case, those, those moments. But anyway, she went to the stair and, 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 and just sat there and was very vocal about her disappointment that my friend didn't get her a Palm Pilot. She goes, but I need this for my, for my homework and for my scheduling so I can keep, 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 keep everything done. She was eight. And again, Bonnie and I looked at each other and we wondered, what have we created? Well, today I'm going to take a few moments and, and look into Scripture to look at what has God created when it comes to our lives. I'm going to look at it from a biblical perspective and just some key passages. And uh, really, the, uh, it, it's pretty simple, the whole message today. And we were at dinner in Michigan, and my sisters are saying, you're preaching on Sunday? You know, what are you going to talk on? And so it's like, they don't want the whole service. They just want, you know, what's the guts of it? And well, you know, the bottom line is God's created us for a community. I'm saying, well, if I could just say that Sunday, we could be gone. And going, yeah, let's go out to that 110-degree heat. Uh, but the bottom line is God has wired us for community. And in Genesis 1, first book in the, in the Bible, we read the 26th verse that says, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Well, the R is plural, and the reference here is that God the Creator is referring to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in this passage. And in this, we see that community was a part of the beginning, was a part of creation. And that from the beginning, God has wired us, let us make humankind in our image. The image of God is community, and God has wired us for community. Now, I know some of you, that word community, you're having flashbacks maybe of the 60s or of the, the hippie movement or all that kind of stuff. And uh, let me just broaden that. When I mention community, I'm talking about uh, relationships, some friendships. You know, God has wired us to be in community. Whether I have been serving my first church uh, 16.75 years ago, because we had just adopted Mackenzie when I started there. Church of 80, to where, when I was on staff of a church of 6,000, and to even here at Mountain Park. What I often hear are people saying, I'm lonely, I feel like a number, nobody knows me. And at times they're embarrassed by those feelings. They're thinking like, well, all I need is Jesus, so why do I need anybody else? I really shouldn't be feeling this way because Jesus is my all in all. But the reality is God has created you, created me for relationships. And so it is normal, it is healthy, it is natural to have those feelings. And again, even when I was at that church of 80, people were feeling that way. You know, they were coming to church, but they were still feeling disconnected to other people. 
Well, then, as we look in the book of John, we look at John chapter 17, verse 20. And again, we read, uh, in fact, some of these people, some folks would say, these are the last words of Jesus uh, before he went to the cross. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through your word, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Genesis, we are created in the image of God, created for community, and before he goes to the cross, again, Jesus again says, may they be one as we are one, so that others will believe. And yet, something goes on in us where we want to resist that at times. And yet, at our core, how God wired us, how he created us, is that we are in relationship with others. In fact, at times, there's, there's songs on the radio, there's songs for the, and TV uh, for the sitcoms that this sort of uh, resonate with us, uh, that strike the deeper chord within each of us about the need for relationships. So rather than have me sing those for you, I asked Marsh to come out and sing a couple songs for us. When you're down in trouble and you need a helping hand and nothing, oh, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me And soon I will be there To brighten up even your darkest nights You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running see you again winter spring summer or fall all you have to do is call and i'll be there yeah 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 you got a friend Somebody to lean on 
Well, I'm right up the road. I'll share your load if you'll just call me. Sing it. These songs and many others, if you saw Toy Story 3, you know, I've got a friend and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they strike, the, again, the responsive chord that God has placed in our heart for the need for friendships, for authentic friends and genuine community. In fact, as a church, that's why, uh, if you look in the back of your, your folder there, you're going to see our Sanawats, and one of them is Do Life Together. If, if, in, if in the beginning God reminded us that he was in community and wired us for community, and then at the end of his life Jesus reminds us again for the need of it that, that we may be one as he is one with the Father, then as a church we feel it's just critical and important in our discipleship journey, in our journey to become more like Jesus, that we are intentional to mention the idea of do, doing life together. That can happen in a service team, you know, being a part of, of a, a team here. It can happen, most often happens through a small group, which what we call a D group. But again, it's, uh, it's one of the, the cores of how God has wired us. In Acts chapter 2, we read uh, in verse 42 and again verse 46 these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Again, as Acts tells us the story of the church, we see here that uh, two different settings. One is in the temple courts. So we would call that a, what we're doing here, a large group experience. And then as they ate in people's homes and as they prayed together, that happens in a smaller group experience. In fact, uh, it's been said that the church could be described as a bird with two wings. One being a uh, large group experience. Again, we call that be there in our sanawats. And the other being the small group experience, and we call that a D group, doing life together. And so to, for the church to be all that God has created it to be, both wings need to be functioning properly. Because if ever you have ever clipped a bird or seen a bird with one wing, it's not a pretty picture. In fact, when we had the exterminator come out to the house uh, about a month and a half ago, did their thing, but they left it all the doors, those strips, you know, the real sticky strips that are, you know, get them on your shoe, then you can't you know, get them off, and you put one foot on it, and they get stick to the other foot, where those are pretty powerful sticky strips. 
Well, ours, we haven't caught any scorpions, which is probably a good thing. But the flip side of it is we caught two birds on two different occasions. In fact, uh, you know, both of them had one wing flapping away, and the other one was like stuck to the, you know, uh, strip there and opened up the garage door, and they flew, and it, not flew, it bounced out because it's flapping all over. Uh, the heat killed it, but anyway. Uh, the point is this. <laughs> you know where I'm going. As the church, if we're just relying on one of those wings, we're going to just kill ourselves eventually. If all we do is come into this place and uh, receive and we're blessed by what, what we hear and what we experience, but we never do the other, other part of what Acts is talking about, then we're going to be out of whack here. And the church isn't going to function as God has designed it. Again, a healthy church is a place where we can collectively meet together, sing. I mean, things are just different when you, when you bring together three or four, five, six hundred people. And yet the church is also the place uh, in a smaller group where you struggle through difficult questions and events. You celebrate your joys and, and your sorrows. You actually enjoy each other. And you love enough to confront. You help each other. You pray for each other by name and by specific situation. That all happens in a smaller group, which is literally impossible in a large group setting. So again, if you look at our sanawats and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the B is being there critical as you grow and as you want to follow Jesus. And the other part is do life together. Is you need to be connected with other people somehow to grow in your faith. I find it interesting as we uh, flip on to the book of Ephesians. The question is, so how do we do this? You know, how do we do this in a healthy way? Well, we read in, Philipp in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 16, From him the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Certainly, the pastors, the staff, are a part of the church, but it's not to the exclusion of everybody else. That is completely unbiblical. When we say the church, you, we collectively are the church. It's not just the pastors or the boards or the staff. It's all of us collectively. And so how are we held together? How do we grow as a healthy church? As each does its own part. Again, being in genuine biblical community isn't a fad, isn't, uh, isn't just about church growth. It's how God has designed us from the beginning of creation. And I think for most of us here, you probably say, yeah, you're right. Yep, uh, I know those things. Yeah, God, you know, uh, didn't create us to, to live lives of isolation. But yet, it's so difficult to be in, to, to do life together. And I think it's important, you know, for us to put it on our values and our sanawats, do life together, it's important to figure out and to understand why we've put it there, besides it being biblical. But let's take a look at uh, uh, just a few things in our society uh, 
uh, some changes that have occurred and the reason why it's so that we need to be so intentional. And what I want to talk about is first let's say the families. You know, in the olden days, families all lived together. Might not live together, lived near each other. Well, some together, depending on the family. Uh, but my grandma lived someplace, my uncle lived next door, down the street was another aunt and uncle. Well, two of them really. So four lived together. And they lived in the same street. Uh, life just happened together. Growing up, we went into Detroit where uh, my mom's mom was, and uh, mom's, my mom's background was, is Armenian, and so grandma would always make either stuffed grape leaves or what they would call raw meat. Now, never ate it, never will, but you, you, know, you just scoop this thing up with the pita bread and wrap it up, and they just loved it, all these Armenians, all my... Well, it's, but anyway, that was just a part of our life. You know, we knew our, we knew our cousins, they knew us. Uh, and as we started to have a family, we would go down often into De, uh, south of Detroit with Mackenzie, take that little hour drive, and Grandma would always make Mackenzie her favorite dinner. Uh, roast beef, mashed potatoes, broccoli. And, you, you know, in the Midwest where it's cold, you know, the windows would steam up. And so we'd pull up there and the windows were all steamy and you just knew grandma was making dinner and we'd sit and play cards and talk and we it was just community happened well again nowadays you know average size family is much smaller than it used to be unless you're from certain religious things that say you need more than one kid but anyway uh no, we won't go there and you can send those emails to Alan. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's what he gets for taking a vacation. Uh, but no, smaller families, to get to Grandma's house now is 1,875 miles, and that ain't going to happen, let me tell you that. Uh, and I'm not saying those are bad things. Uh, when I took a job at, at a church, it was two and a half hours away. Housing market died right when I accepted the job, so I commuted for almost two years. Left on Monday morning, came back on Thursday, went back on Saturday with the family, came back Sunday night with the family, left again on Monday. But it was close enough that I could be there for special things at church. And, you know, that went on for almost two years. Now, I'm not saying that uh, what was then was better than now or that we're living in sin uh, because you're not living near your parents. In fact, some of you have probably moved here to get away from some of your family. And... Yeah, at first service, too, many people came up to me on that one. Uh, and that's okay. What I'm saying is that things have changed. So we just need to be aware of that. And then look at our neighborhoods. Uh, you know, again, neighborhoods were built just closer together. You'd go to uh, the market. You'd pick up things. When uh, my dad's wife was growing up, they went to the, the grocery store every day. It was a, it was a walk. And they knew the butcher. They're, you know, these Mayberry RFD, you knew everybody, and everybody knew you, and community just happened. They didn't need to have a D group in their church because it was just there. Uh, but again, now, even my HOA says I have to have my garage door shut unless I'm in my front yard. So much for community. Uh, you know, I don't even know someone's name enough to, to, to invite them over because you know, don't know if anyone's even home anymore because Everything looks tan, you know, garage door shut, you know, and things like that. Things have changed. 
And then with our careers, most of us will never retire from either the job we start after high school or the job you take when you graduate from college. You'll never, gone are the days of 30 and out or 25 and out. Uh, you know, give you a better benefit package, uh, some benefits, uh, insurance, that may change though with stuff, uh, uh, golden handcuff thing, who knows what. But, you know, then people are going to jump ship, you know. I know, is it, uh, who was it, James, King James, you know, the basketball, all the, I'm sure there was something about the bottom line in there, that change. Give me a better package, give me a bigger salary, and I'm changing. I'm going, taking my uh, corporate ladder, and I'm taking it to the new, to new place, and I'm climbing up that ladder. We just, like I said, got back from Michigan and heard the story that my brother-in-law got stuck at my dad's funeral uh, with one of my dad's railroad buddies. And they talked for two hours about what happened at the railroad. And I remember my dad talking about these guys as if they were his brothers. Well, he worked 30 years there, sometimes 10 and 12 hours a day. Community just happened. And then if we even think about the church. Now, the church used to be the, the, the center of the community. A lot of things happened in a church building, not just on Sundays for a couple hours. The community actually used it day in and day out. Uh, there weren't a lot of churches, so if you didn't like what the pastor said, that's okay. You just come back the next week. You know, you didn't have the option of driving 20 minutes or five, or even here, walking up the hill to another church. You know, you, you just had to, to stick it out and work through it. Uh, but now, you know, churches are known for their building size. And, uh, and if people don't like something, then they jump ship. If you don't like my red shirt, and you can blame my daughter. She picked it out. But, uh, you know, if you don't like what I say, if you don't like the fact that I didn't promote your particular ministry today, uh, if you don't like a slant on something, you know, it's like, I'm out of here. But in the olden days, that makes me sound real old, uh, uh, but when things were different, you just had to work it out. You know, through the good and the bad, and you realize that our differences really did bring us together. And that it was okay to maybe disagree with, with me or Alan or Kit or somebody because that's all right. In fact, I really think, and I won't get on this soapbox too much, uh, that the whole consumer attitude has, has made its way into the church. And I don't just think that. There's books on it and articles. You know, again, you want something, you can go online, you can check it out, price shop and go to it. And if you don't like it's at this supermarket, you go to the next one. Well, at the church, is the same thing has happened in many churches, is that people are showing up and sitting here, and they're receiving stuff, and all of a sudden they expect the church to be the dispenser of good things to people. Help make me feel good. Oh, I like this program, so I'm going to be here. And it's really all about me receiving versus me being part of a faith community that lives out our faith, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to make a difference. Now, I don't want to minimize, you know, some differences, and some things need a little bit more dialogue than others, but what I'm saying is that churches, our society has changed. There's just a lot more options for people. 
And so if you look at our families, if you look at our neighborhoods, if you look at our careers, and if you look at our churches, the idea of just being in community isn't happening. You know, all those structures of society are really now forcing us apart versus bringing us together. And so that's why, as a church, we're saying it's time to be intentional to be together. Because otherwise, society is going to continue to rip us apart at the very fabric that God has created us to be. And that is in relationship and in community. And I know that's like saving money in the bank, and that is easier said than done. But you can go to a movie. If, it, if it's a feel-good movie, you can buy the movie now. You can download it. You can take it on your phone. You can listen to music. You can buy the book. You can be inspired. You can be encouraged. But there is nothing uh, that lasts more, uh, nothing that affects us more than relationships with other people. It's how, again, how God has wired us, how God has created us, and what we need to be intentional about to be there. Again, as I reflect back over my life, whether it was through my parents' divorce when I was 18, selecting a college, making it through college, uh, dealing with my mom's death, uh, which today is the anniversary of that being 29 years ago, uh, growing, growing through, not just getting through, but growing through my single days, celebrating my marriage at 32, uh, dealing through our years of infertility to the adoption of our wonderful daughter, uh, uh, from changing careers in my mid-30s, uh, going back to school. I don't even know why I did that, but I did. Uh, uh, walking through the 13 years of my wife's struggle with cancer uh, to even the last eight months as Mackenzie and I continue to live in the tension of grief and gratitude in the passing of Bonnie, uh, it becomes glaringly obvious that the strand that has ran through my life and my heart and my soul is that the gift that God has provided for me and that of community. Whether it's emotionally, spiritually, physically, it's how he has wired me and that gift that he has given me. And the good news is that's how God has wired each of us. We're not called to be lone rangers, to live uh, in lives of isolation. But so much of our society, family, neighbors, careers, and at times churches, force us into those lives of isolation. So we have to be intentional to fight back. And that's all I'm saying, is that we need to be intentional. You know, there are, I, I know people think, if I just have Jesus, that's all I need. Uh, but if God in Genesis could say, you know, uh, let us make man in our image. And on the deathbed of Jesus, he is saying that they may be one as we are one. We've got to, to, to be intentional to, to, work, to move forward in our relationships with other people. So here at Mountain Park, what does that mean? You've heard me talk about the Sanawats. In fact, we have a little card we'll give you as you leave today on those. But in the fall, uh, we're going to have three options for you to be intentional about a step. And I understand, too, that depending on, on stages of life and what's going on, uh, I'm not saying that you all need to do this, but we're just saying as a church, we need to be, again, I, 
I keep saying that word intentional. We need to be intentional to create community and to be in relationship. But there's going to be three options for you. If you uh, want to connect with others here, you've been around for a while, you're saying Mountain Park's my home church, then we're going to ask you to, to lead or be a part of a D group, a doing life together group, this next September, middle of September. It's only a seven-week group. You're not signing your life away. There's no legal papers. You don't have to put them in your will. Uh, you don't have to invite them to Christmas if you don't want to. We're just saying it's amazing. And many of us who have been there, done that, will we'll, we'll share about what happens in seven weeks to those friendships. Uh, so if you're thinking Mountain Park's your church, you'd like to just get to know people better, then sign up to either, uh, uh, well, I'm asking you right now just to pray about helping us lead. We really need to have about 100 groups. If we have 1,500 people, 100 groups, yeah, we need about, a, about 100 people to step up to facilitate for seven weeks. If you're here at Mountain Park and you're still questioning your faith, trying to figure out what is this thing about, then in mid-September we're also going to start our alpha groups again. Wonderful opportunities to uh, to be in community, but also with the uh, specific reason to ask questions, a safe place to ask questions. So you can be on that team to help uh, make that happen again this coming fall. And then the third option for you is the Thursday morning women's ministry in power uh, meets, uh, meets here. The blessing of that is that we provide child care. And so it's for women, though. Sorry, guys. Uh, so that is sexist, and I'm aware of that. Uh, so don't send me any emails. But uh, so for women who have the responsibility of a child, uh, even if you don't have a child, you are still welcome to be here on a uh, Thursday morning, and they'll also be following uh, that same curriculum that we're going to be using. Again, we're following the shebang. It'll start back up, and in that segment of it, uh, we're writing a seven-week curriculum so as a church we can uh, discover the unwritten story collectively. And so that's what you need to be thinking about, to be praying about. You, you have your worship folders, my email's in there. You have the communication cards. You know what, if you're thinking, you know what, I'd like to, 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 to see about leading one of these groups or something like that, just give me your name and a, some contact information. We'll start to pray collectively for you, and we'll put this puzzle together as the several months go on. But I think, folks, it, it is, uh, you know, especially in our, and I, even with what's going on in our whole world and with the, um, I don't want to say the collapse, but yeah, but with the, the whole economy thing, people realize, you know what, there's more to life than just things. They're their homes, the cars they drive, the toys they have, even if it's an iMac or an iPhone or an iPad, you know, there's more to life than that. And that's a natural feeling because God has wired each of us to be in relationship and to be in community. And as we do that, and as each of us pitches in and does our part as the church, then I am convinced that Awatuki, those of us who are out in Chandler and beyond, the, the, our society and our, uh, our local community will be a different place because of the community we experience here. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, again, for your presence here. Thank you that you're just not confined to one particular church on a street corner, but that you're here with us. 
Thank you for the folks who have come out on a, a summer day, braved the, the elements, the heat, uh, to, be, to be here, to experience what God is doing, what you are doing here, Lord, collectively. And so I give you thanks. And help the folks here to think through their next step to be more like you. And if that's community, Lord, help them to, to take the risk, uh, to do what they need to, to help facilitate or lead so that the world would be a different place. And to that, we will give you the glory. Amen.